this evening we are looking at session number four in our series on kingdom values and uh, our uh, value this evening is forbearance forbearance now if you notice in some translations it will be put up as bearing with one another bearing with one another now we defined patience as the ability to endure discomfort without complaint. Now forbearance is more than patience. Forbearance is a deliberate willingness to put up with disagreeable things you know, in the lives of others you know, in pursuit of higher goals. Or basically you can say forbearance means bearing for a reason, and the reason being the good, the good of the other person or of yourself as well. Now, forbearance is a necessary quality in the life of a disciple, and to forbear means to tolerate with what is less than what one is due. You expect it. This is, you know, and now what that person has to give me, the respect or whatever. And we say he's not here, she's not giving it to me. But you are willing to fall back because you want to see the good of that person. And through that whole process, instead of you know, you know, lashing out at that individual and getting upset, you, know, you are tolerating. You know? Now, there's a limit to tolerance, you know, but this is the first aspect of toleration. <laughs> okay, So we must first develop this reflex of being able to bear with others. Before we can forbear, we must be having able to have the reflex of bearing with others. Some people, you know, don't have that ability whatsoever because they want everything and everybody to react the way they want them to. And if in case it doesn't happen, then they are very upset. But first is the bearing up. Then you can have the forbearing for they are good, they are ultimate good, okay? So forbearance is having patience when you are impatient. Forbearance is having self-control when it is very challenging to keep your cool. Forbearance is keeping your mouth closed when you want to say a lot, okay? So forbearance, if you notice in Ephesians chapter 4, we speak about bearing one another in love, in love. This is the aspect of forbearance. You know, you're doing this because you love that other person. So basically forbearance, if you were to say, is another synonym for, you know, for patience, but patience with a twist. Forbearance is patience under provocation, whereas patience is waiting for others to mature in grace. Forbearance is being patient when that immaturity, their behavior, is now directed at you. Now, just to help you to understand this, think of this uh, incident, if you were to say, or you know, a happening. Here are two friends, Jane and Susie. Okay, Susie is the older sister, Jane is the younger one. Now, Jane was not a believer. Both of them were not believers. Now, Jane comes to know the Lord, but Susie is definitely upset with that. So, as a result, she ridicules her more harshly than she has been accustomed to. So this constant ridicule, mockery, and belittling, you know, is you now very upsetting for, for Jane initially. 
But now she is attending a Bible study group where she is able to learn principles from the scripture about what genuine love for the other person is, what genuine tolerance is for the other person. And as a result, having understood about this and forbearance, you know, she now experiences this. How does she experience this? She has a meeting together with Susie, you know, and they decide we will meet together for a cup of coffee. But before the meeting itself, she has settled in her heart that despite whatever Susie will say, okay, that particular evening, whatever she would say, whatever mockery, whatever ridicule, she resolved that she would not harbor any resentment. She has resolved that she will not take any offense. So when they meet together, and as soon as they meet, you know, Susie then launches out into her tirade. But Jane is able to overcome, overlook all that swearing and lies and slander and defaming allegations that Susie hurls at her. But in the midst of all these attacks, Jane finds herself praying for Susie that God might open her eyes too and bless her regardless. That is showing forbearance. Okay? She doesn't blow up. She doesn't try to you know, increase her volume when she increases her volume. But she recognizes, hey, she's reacting for some reason, you know. But I want to love her. I want to show her that I care for her. Later that day, somebody asked Jane how her time with Susie went. To which she replied, I had a nice time with my sister. She's a very beautiful person. Thank you for asking. Now, her answer was also an act of forbearance. It was not just putting on a show in front of Susie. And as soon as she's with another friend, she lashes out at her. No, no, no. She says, in her heart of hearts, I know Susie's a nice person. We had a good time together. Yes, she was upset maybe with all these things, but I understand for what reason I express love to her. So you find that forbearing involves two key words, before and to respond. In other words, before we are offended, hurt, or insulted, our hearts are prepared to forgive. Our hearts are prepared to let it go. Our hearts are prepared to refuse to dwell on it. And we are determined, we have already decided before the situation, to respond with kindness, grace, mercy, and generosity. Now, as soon as you think about forbearance, you'll say, hey, that's not possible humanly. Now, how can I do that? Now, remember, all these values that we are thinking of is not just you know, something that we have to generate. It is God's working in our lives. And this is what God wants us to do. Bear with one another in love. There's a reason for that. So that through your attitude, through the value that they, you show, they would recognize, hey, there's something different. This is not natural. This is supernatural. And then they would also know how to respond to God in a positive way. So we need to learn these principles. So before we do, we're you know, go into some more details. Let's look at you know, the basic definition of forbearance. Webster's Dictionary defines it as refraining from the enforcement of something. Refraining from an enforcement from something. Refraining from the enforcement of something could be a debt, could be a right that we have, an obligation that has come due and needs to be paid. This is a legal sounding definition. You know, something you know, that has to be paid and you overlook it, tolerate it, be lenient towards it, 
refrain from giving that punishment that they deserve. That is what, you know, from the technique ang technical angle of uh, uh, forbearance is all about. So it is primarily holding back or restraining the self from doing something that would be normal to do. Or it is controlling yourself when you are provoked or offended. That is forbearance, okay? Somebody is irritating you. Somebody is offending you, you know? Natural response will be blow up. Natural response will be give it back to them. But forbearing in love is, no, no, I'm not going to respond. I'm going to hold back. I'm going to restrain myself. What are some of the synonyms for forbearance? Some synonyms could be patience, could be leniency, could be tolerance, could be self-restraint, you know, could be mercy, or it could be even pardon. All these are synonyms for forbearance that give us an idea, a glimpse, if you were to say, into how broad this application of forbearance can be in our lives. What about the Hebrew meaning? The Hebrew meaning runs from you know, a variety of, you know, what shall we say, different word meanings, you know, which include to keep silent or to be still, to stop or leave off doing something, to withhold from, or to spare another. Another one means to draw, to stretch out, or to prolong, you know. It is like when you're prolonging a period of grace, you know, where somebody owes you something, but you prolong the time that they have to give it back to you like a payment of debt. That's the understanding again in Hebrew. What about Greek? New Testament has been written in Greek. There are different words, you know that are used for this word forbearance, patience, you know. One word, aneko, means to hold back, back the self, you know, basically self-restraint, self-restraint. Another word is enemy, which means to send away or back, okay. It means that if somebody does something wrong, you allow them to go away without giving them what is due, or basically you're being lenient, you're showing clemency or you're being merciful to them. That's another understanding of forbearance. Another word that is used is stego, you know, like maybe when you get the, you know, the word, you know, that is used for the dinosaur, one of the uh, uh, species, stegosaurus, you know, stego. Now, what does stego mean? Stego means to cover, to conceal, or to protect, you know. Think of that meaning for forbearance, covering concealing, protecting that individual so that, you know, you're expressing love to them. There is a correction, definitely, but you're not lying about it, but you're showing them that you care for them by doing this aspect of protecting them. Now, having said these meanings, let's look at <laughs> biblically. Does God have forbearance? Now, when you're looking at all these characteristics or these values, we are basically saying because God has these values, that's why as his children, we must have them. Let's look at the scriptures and find out, you know, the forbearance of God. Let's see how God shows forbearance to his people. One Bible commentator puts it across this way. It sa he says, if God had been a man, he would long since have taken his hand and in sheer irritation, wipe the world out for all its disobedience. But God's patience waits and loves. 
weights and laws. Hey, can you see the forbearance of God? If you and I were in God's place, when somebody does something ten times, he'd say, hey, you know, wipe that person off, you know. When Adam and Eve sinned, wipe it off. We would say, hey, you know, we would do that. But God gives a person a long rope. At the end of the rope, you know, there is a punishment. But the forbearance of God gives that chance, that time period, that restraint is there. Let's look at, you know, some... Uh, instances in the Old and the New Testaments. First of all, look, look at the Israelites. Israelites, you know. In Exodus chapter 34, okay, Moses has gone up, you know, to meet with God, to get the Ten Commandments, spend time with God. And when he comes down, what happens? You know, these guys are worshipping a golden calf. And they're saying, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt, you know. I'm sure Moses would have been definitely upset, isn't it? But God would also have been upset. But look at the words of God in Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. And the scripture says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. These are the words for forbearance, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. These are the words that Moses had to hear because he was very upset. But God says, I'm a God of forbearance. But he also says in verse 7, okay, you know, by no means clearing the guilty. Okay, he says, I'm gracious, I'm merciful, but, you know, there's a limit to what a person can do. Okay, this is why in Genesis chapter 6, verses 3 and 7, the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. You know, same word, forbear. You know. Yes, I'm going to bear up, but not always. You know. If a person is going to do it repeatedly, after some time, the limit is going to end. Okay. Now, how often did God not give Israel what she deserved? Plenty of times. Plenty of times God could have just wiped them out immediately, isn't it? You know. Because they continue to sin, continue to sin. But in his mercy and grace, God gave the Israelites time and space to repent. Time and space to repent. But when they didn't, God sent them into captivity. Okay, Some of them learned the lesson. Some did not learn the lesson. Why did God give them such a long rope? Because he wanted them to repent and turn to him and acknowledge him as their God. What about Abraham? In Genesis chapter 20, we find you know, the episode of Abraham lying to Abimelech, saying that Sarah was his sister. Okay, now that is a lie, isn't it? Abraham is considered the father of faith. But when he told this lie, God didn't strike him down for his lie. He gave Abraham a chance to repent, a chance both to confess to God that he has not trusted God, that God would protect, you know, and also confessed to Abimelech what the truth was. But he didn't do both. So what did God do? So God stepped in and gave Abimelech a dream and told him that he was keeping his, Abraham's wife, you know, and he better give her back. And God also kept Abimelech, you know, from having any relationships with Sarah. And he also kept Abimelech from killing Abraham for lying to the king. 
that is the graciousness of God. Now, remember this was the second time. Okay, Genesis chapter 12 gives us the first time he lied. Same lie, Sarah is my sister. Between these two, there was around 15 to 20 years. God bore up with his lying for those many years. What about Samson? What about Samson? In Judges chapter 14, <laughs> we find Samson getting into the scene. And he liked the Philistine woman, where it was specifically said, don't have any relationships with them because he had the Nazarite vow. And finally, if you notice what happened was, you know, he was captured by the Philistines, eyes were gouged out, you know. But still, if you notice in 15, Judges chapter 15 and verse 20, in the midst of all his straying away from God, the scripture tells us he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. 20 years in the days of the Philistines. And he, the Bible says this in Judges chapter 16, verse 31 as well. And he dies in that particular instance. Now, God gave him a rope, long rope, 20 years. But at the end of it, he paid for it, isn't it? He didn't get away with it. God just forbore with him for all the time to give him a chance to build up the character that we eventually know he had. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, Samson is found in the heroes of faith. Think about it. Think about it. God gives Samson a long rope, 20 years over here. And then at the end, somewhere, yes, he messed up. Yes, sinner, he paid with it for his, uh, with his life. But there was a change in his heart. And that's what forbearance is all about. The purpose of bearing up is for a reason. The reason is that that person would respond. That person would realize their mistake. That person will turn around. That is what forbearance is. What about David? What about David? Okay, David sinned with Bathsheba. How long did he wait? You know, how long did God wait you know, for him to repent? Venetis, he has the relationship with Bathsheba. He doesn't recognize or realize it is wrong or admit it. You know. Then he sends you know, Urah to be killed. And only after the child is born, it's like after you know, nine months as it were, you know, God sends you know, Nathan into his house you know, to explain and says, you have sinned. But the beauty of it is that, you know, yes, Psalm 51 is the result of that meeting with Nathan, the prophet, he recognizes what he has done is wrong and cries out to God and says, have mercy on me. But remember again, David didn't get away with it because when Nathan came to him, he said, from this time on, your house is going to have problems. You are not going to get away from this sin, you know, and there will be problems in his house, you know, family, marriage, war, whatever, you know, there are plenty of problems that he had in his lineage. Now, that is the understanding of forbearance. I hope by now you have understood this in a value. Let's add a little more practical aspect to it to say what it is not and what it is, okay? Forbearance is not just gritting your teeth and bearing it, okay? You know, it is not that. It's no, okay, I have to bear up with it. So I'm how, you know, inside you are, you know, boiling, but outside you are gritting your teeth. No, no, that's not for forbearance. Forbearance is enduring with someone or something that does not comply with your favor. 
Number two, forbearance is not assuming someone has ill intent or is intentionally engaging in annoying behaviors. It's not an assumption. Now, sometimes you may think, you know, hey, that, that person is deliberately annoying me. You know, forbearance, and I say, so I'm not assuming that. Forbearance is acknowledging an annoyance and tolerating it. Thirdly, forbearance is not confronting an unfavorable issue and urging a change. Here's a person who is responding negatively. Here's a person who is responding different from what you expect or you want to, you know. Now, forbearance is not confronting that issue and says, hey, you have to change. No. Forbearance is expecting that irritant to exist and not becoming bitter that it does. Fourthly, forbearance is not enjoying appreciating or celebrating their annoyance. You know? Forbearance is not rejoicing in that irritation, but rather forbearance is receiving people and loving them despite their unfavorable attitudes. Forbearance is not saying, hey, here's this person coming in, so I don't want to meet with this person. This person is an irritant, so I go back in a, some other way. I turn my face. No. Forbearance is receiving them lovingly, acknowledging, yes, you know, they are sources of irritant, but you have already beforehand decided and you respond in the right manner. Fifthly, forbearance is not ignoring or avoiding people who, you do, not, who do not strike your fancy, but it is an attribute of Christ. You know, as Christ has shown forbearance, you and I also have to show forbearance. So what does the Bible now have to say about forbearance? In order to show forbearance you know, to the other person, first of all, we ourselves must be broken. We ourselves must also realize that we are living in a broken world. We are living in a world where people have you know, different, different behaviors, different, different annoying behaviors. Not all the people are like you. So acknowledge that. That's the starting point. Forbearance definitely can be difficult, even among believers. Think, for example, Paul and Barnabas, they were leaders, you know. But when Paul said, I wanted, you know, uh, both of them, when Barnabas said, I want to take John Mark with me, because he was there in the earlier uh, missionary journey, Paul said, nothing doing. He is not going to come with us because he dropped out in the middle. You know? He is no good. You know? He was irritated, angry. You know? and in fact, the scripture tells us they had such a heated argument that they separated. They said, we don't want to go together. Now think of that. They were supposed to be leaders. But over the years, you know, God worked in their hearts. Barnabas said, hey, look, I am forbearing with John Mark because, yes, he's still a kid. He needs to learn. He took him alongside and trained him up so that at the end, Paul could say, bring John Mark along because he's useful to me in the gospel. If you notice, Barnabas had this great quality of forbearance, isn't it? When the church said, hey, Paul, we are scared of him. He was Saul, you know, he was against us. But it was Barnabas who came along and spoke on behalf of Paul to the early church, you know. That is the understanding. Hey, don't give up on this person. Yes, he may have had that type of a background. He's a changed person. Yes, we don't get along now, you know, but let's put that aside and let's work together. That's what Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13 tells us. You must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. 
Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the classic love chapter in verse 7, the Amplified Translation puts it across this way. It reads, it is our passions of anger, resentment that get us into trouble and cause us to stray from the principles of God. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Hey, that's what love is. That's what forbearance is all about. First of all, God demonstrates forbearance toward us. God demonstrates forbearance towards us. God shows us forbearance all the time, isn't it? You know, if you know, he didn't have forbearance, what would have happened to us? As soon as we did a wrong, zap, off. As soon as we do a wrong, couple of times, hey, you did it again, I gave you so many chances, off. Where would we be? God is so patient with us. Why? Because he wants us to change. The reason he is holding back you know, his judgment, judgment will come one day, but he's holding back that judgment is so that we will respond. His loving kindness towards us leads us to repentance. That's the reason he bears up with us. That's the reason he holds back or restrains his uh, wrath when we sin against him you know, or against others or against ourselves. God shows forbearance when he doesn't give us the judgment that we deserve. That is what God does for us. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 tells us, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness, his forbearance, his long-suffering, his patience, his goodness, is intended to lead you to repentance. This is how God shows that. That's the reason behind it. If in case you think, you know, you know, God you know, has overlooked my sin. No, no, God has not overlooked your sin. God has kept track, you know. But he's forbearing with you so that, you know, instead of punishing you immediately, he's giving you a chance to repent. He's giving you a chance to make amends, you know. That is the forbearance of God. Secondly, look at Christ as our example. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3, we read, Consider him who has endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, that you don't grow weary, fainting in your souls. A lot of people who irritated Jesus, isn't it? In fact, just before the crucifixion, imagine the God himself when he is here on earth. They spit at him and pull his beard and do all sorts of things, whip him. Did he do anything? Did he do anything? He could have. He could have just one shot, knocked all of them off. Remember when the soldiers came to you know, arrest Jesus in the garden? He just spoke, you know, it is I, and they all fell backward. That is a sign of God's judgment. He didn't kill them, but that was his part. He could have knocked them off, but he didn't do it. Why? He wanted to help them to understand who he is so that they would respond and repent of their ways. I often wonder, you know, those individuals who did those gross acts on Jesus, how would they have felt later on if, when they are meeting God in judgment? 
I hope some of them you know, responded to Christ when the early church went about preaching the gospel. God's forbearance is so that we would turn around. Not so that we could take grace casually. So when we forbear, it is for the other person's good so that they would respond. We have decided earlier on that we are not going to get angry. And when they see that, you know, it may irritate them initially to say, hey, I'm doing all this, but still this person is not getting irritated with me. But then they begin to realize, hey, there's another reason. There's something behind this. You know, this is not natural. And they began to give and they began to begin to respond to God. Think for about Jesus' interaction with his disciples. He picked up 12 people, you know, 12 disciples. Each one of them, you know, was so very different. They had arguments among themselves, you know, constantly. Who is going to be the greatest? None of them wanted to, you know, do any menial task of washing the feet. But what happened? He knew also that one of them was going to betray him. He knew Judas was going to betray him. But still, what did he do? He made him the treasurer. He still, at the last supper, he gave him the choicest food, meal. Because that was a sign. The one who dips his sinner bread in my cup. You know, that was a sign that this guy was a special person. So he gave them the place of honor to Judas. You know. That is forbearance. That is forbearance. You know. But sad to say again, you know, Judas at the end, you know, he betrayed Jesus. But he thought it was all over. Peter denied Jesus, but he turned around, looked at Jesus, the Lord looked at him, and he wept, and he turned around to follow in repentance to him. That is the forbearance of God. There's a reason behind it, so that we turn around and follow after God, so that we repent of our ways. Thirdly, forbearance is a command to follow. In Colossians chapter 3, Verses 12 and 13, we read, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, you know, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. It's a command. It's not an option. It's not a saying to say it's too difficult, so you know, if you can do it, do it, then it's good. No, no. This is a command. If you are a child of God, if God's character is forbearance, then you and I call, call ourselves by his name. God also calls us to forbear. Think for a moment, you know, the experience of holding a baby in your hands. Your arms and your body are standing erect, holding yourself up to sustain and bear the weight of this precious child. The child is a liability and you're bearing with or enduring the weight put upon your body. In a similar way, as we forbear with each other, we are acknowledging the inevitable reality that we all have annoying habits or characteristics which call us into tolerance in an understanding way. We are holding on. You know? We are holding it carefully. We are enduring the pain because we consider that babe very valuable, so we hold it with care, hold the child with care, isn't it? You know? Similarly, when you're thinking about forbearances, you know, you hold the other person as valuable in the sight of God. And now that you want that person to change, you want that person to respond to God, you want that person to get into a relationship with Him, with God. So as a result, you are forbearing with that individual. Now, how can we develop forbearance? A couple of simple things. Number one, you know, number one, 
when you say, I don't feel like tolerating this situation anymore, I want to give up, you know, don't give up. Look at these steps. Number one, we need to learn to die to self, to our own wishes and desires. Jesus said, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself. Forbearance is what basically you're denying yourself. Now you're denying your right. You know, you will say, this is my right. If he did this to me, I have to do this. I will show that person. No, no. Forbearance is denial of yourself for the good of that other person, for the good of the other person. Recognizing the value that God has placed on that individual, he or she is created in the image of God. So as a result, you treat that person with care. And by dying to your own desires, your own needs, you're saying, I care for that person. Secondly, <laughs> we need to also approach the situation with the love of God especially towards those who may be causing those difficulties or causing those you know, irritants to you. You tell God, God, this is an irritant. This is annoying me, Lord, but I cannot love this individual. You have put your love in my heart. As you love the Israelites, as you were having forbearance with them, Lord, you help me. To love this individual, have forbearance. Ask God to give you that love which is there in your heart to express it to that individual. Because thirdly, Christ in us gives us the strength. Christ in us gives us the strength. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We cannot do it on our own, but God can. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3, the writer of the Hebrews tells us to consider him who has endured such contradiction of sinners against himself that you don't grow weary fainting in your souls. What is the writer saying? If in case you are feeling, hey, this is too much, that says don't. You know, look at Jesus who faced much more than you and I are facing. Ask him for strength. He is in you. He expects you to ask him to draw out that strength from you and to show it to that individual. And when we show that love, when we show that forbearance, forbearance is love in action. When we do that, the other person has to respond and say, hey, this is not from this individual. This is not a human value, as it were. This is a kingdom value. And they too would respond. A couple of important uh, application questions this evening before we close. Number one. Recall a situation in your life where you were offended, hurt, misunderstood, or criticized. What did you do? How did you react or respond? Secondly, why is it so hard to bless your enemies? Say, this person is annoying me. Why is it so hard you know, to bless them? Why is it so hard to think about loving them? Thirdly, why is biblical retaliation, biblical retaliation is actually forgiving the other person, okay, a redemptive gift more than a moral goal? Why is this not just a, you know, a humanly possible thing, but it is only possible supernaturally? The more we understand how much God has forgiven us, we are able to forgive others. When you, the more we understand how much God loves us, we are able to love the others. The more we understand how much God has shown forbearance with us, we in turn are able to show forbearance to others as well. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer.